So, yeah, before we get into it, if you are a member of our Patreon, uh, if you're one of our friends on Patreon, you saw a video of Caitlin. And uh, it was hilarious. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. So go and join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash crime culture, maybe? If you can't find it, we'll we send are, you a link. Just let us know. Well, it, it is in our link tree, first of all. It is, yeah. Um, which is on I just, all of our social meds. Uh, yes. And I also just, I want you to know, I just went, because I happened to have it open. Yeah. And I just went to it, and I was about to be like, it's patreon.com slash user. And then I was like, oh, wait. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe it's patreon.com slash crime culture podcast, I think. Just let I'm us know sure. if you can't find it. We'll, we'll help you find it. Um. And another one quick thing, we are getting a bunch of people interested in our Secret Satan gift exchange. If you don't know what that is, it's our version of Secret Santa. And uh, you fill out this little form that we got uh, also on our link tree, also on all of our social medias. And um, you're going to get a Secret Satan, basically like pen pal that we're going to send Halloween gifts. Spooky. So uh, fill out the form if you're interested, and we will match you up with somebody. Uh, I think we're going to start matching people like beginning of September so that we have enough time uh, to get everyone their stuff by October. And then we will do a live stream where we open stuff. Yes. Um, One quick thing. I'm so sorry. I love you. Um, I just wanted to do a quick correction section from Uh-oh. our listener, Seuss. No, 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 no. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's okay, a good, good one. We didn't. I was going to say, we, did, we haven't had a correction section was, in a while. Yeah, we didn't Jody Arias this one. This oh. one's pretty, this was pretty okay. Well, remember that, everybody? We're still getting bad reviews for that. By the way, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we wouldn't hate it if you, you know, wrote us a review. Five stars. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Seuss gave us the correct pronunciation of the possibly not killer of Natalie Holloway. And it's, we haven't even covered the Natalie Holloway case. How did this come up? I don't remember. We, we were talking shit about him. <laughs> oh, well, you know, as we do. As you do, as one is wont to do. So it's Joran van der Slut. Hell so yeah. I definitely that fucked that up. I definitely, I, I may not have fucked that up. The Another pronunciation is just shithead. But um, yes. for the most part, I think I got that. I am not Dutch, but I'm hoping I I'm hoping I did that justice. Right. But thank you again, Seuss. Because I'm sure we'll fuck it up again once we actually cover the Natalie Holloway. Case. We will. We will fuck it up again. Because I know yes. it's Joran Vandersloot. <laughs> Joran Vandersloot. Joran Vandersloot. If you're if you're an idiotic American like yeah. some people. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, this case is not that case. We're talking about a different case. And this is the murder of Elise Paler. Do you know uh, the movie that is inspired by this case? No, I don't even know the name. <laughs> All right. Well, you are in for a time because oh, I great. think you, I think you'll know the movie. We'll see. Okay. So Elise Paler, she was a 15 year old high school freshman and was described by some media outlets as, quote, adventurous and fatally naive end quote, which I think Uh-oh. is, that's kind of fucked up to say about somebody who's no longer here, but that's true. Uh, other but articles. Also so unfortunate. Yeah. 
Other articles said that Elise was, quote, a vivacious, curious teenager with a dramatic flair. She designed and sewed her own dresses and had gotten in trouble for drug use before, end quote. We're going to eh. get on. We're going to touch on the drug use thing in a little bit. Who um, hasn't? Yeah, I saw in a couple other, like, I, I was watching, like, other, like, YouTubers or podcasts, like, videos about this case. And a couple of them said that she was really popular in high school. She was one of those people that, like, knew everybody and was, like, kind mm -hmm. of, like, involved in, like, a bunch of different circles. She played sports. She was active in her church. She did uh, theater. She wanted to be an actress. Uh, I didn't see this in any of the articles, though, about this actual case. Unfortunately, um, other than a couple of, like, one-line descriptions here or there, uh, there's not a lot of information at least that I could find in all of the articles that I was uh, referencing. There's like a Washington Post article, a couple other places. Um, mm -hmm. There's not a lot of information on who she was as a person. And I feel like that comes, that happens a lot with some yeah. of these cases that like it's focused so much on what happened to this person, but not who this person was. Um, I, well, believe me, I tried looking for information on this girl and uh, not too much. That's, yeah, that's a bummer. That's yeah. not how it should be. No. But, um, but I mean, anyway, jumping into the crime. On the night of July 22nd, 1995, Elise was watching Paint Your Wagon in her living room with her family. Around 9.15 p.m., she had a brief conversation with somebody on the phone, and when she hung up, she said that she was tired and was going to bed. And we've all been 15 and done that, haven't we? Uh-huh. So guess 15? what actually happened? <laughs> she, she didn't go to bed. Yeah. So in an interview, her father, David Paler, said that he could kind of tell that she was faking it. No. Um, he said, quote, I looked into her eyes. I knew that there was something coming down the pike. I knew there was something else there. I should have gone out the back door. I should have snuck out and made sure. End quote. Mm. I, it's always the hindsight, though. Like, yeah. you don't know. Like that's like that's destructive thinking is like trying to blame yourself for something that like y you don't know that it could have been this time it could have been another time like i don't know we'll get to why it was kind of ill-fated for elise but um right so instead of going to bed obviously she went out to smoke some weed with some friends uh at the edge of a wooded eucalyptus grove uh, within a mile of her house i think some articles said it was like a quarter of a mile away not not far at oh, all wow yeah and it was called Nipomo Mesa, I think. Okay. Um, now, the area that Elise was from, this is in uh, California, uh, it wasn't the safest, especially in 1995. In that year, 100 violent crimes were reported in a town of only 14,000. So that is like one oh, out shit. of 140 chance of you being like a victim of a crime. Yeah. Um, the area was allegedly a hotbed for gangs. There were stabbings and shootings, and it was just not a great area. Where is this again? This is Arroyo Grande, California. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that near the Los Angeles area, or is that, is that far it's, south it's, or north? It's, it's like near... San Luis, I can never yes, say San it right. Luis Obispo. San Luis Obispo, yes. Yes, yes. That, that's right up there with my La Jolla. Um, La Jolla. La Jolla. But yeah. Vandersloot. Vandersloot. Anyway. Vandersloot's from um, La Jolla. So the guys that she went to go and smoke with 
Um, we're going to talk about their backgrounds a little bit before we actually get to what happened to Elise when she left her house. Uh, the boys are Joseph Fiorella, Jacob Delashmet, and Royce Casey. And they were all labeled as problem kids before Elise was even, spoiler alert, murdered. Um, mm. Casey, who was 17 at the time, attended a continuation high school after being expelled from public school. Fiorella, who was 14 at the time, was being homeschooled after problems at the local high school. It's the same high school that Elise went to, so she kind of knew mm -hmm. him sort of from yeah. there. Uh, and Delashment, who was 16, had been expelled for possessing drugs and swearing at a teacher. Elise Damn. Had, yeah. Elise had met him at the Mariposa That's Community brave. Recovery Center recently, where they had both been getting treatment for drug and alcohol usage. Um, some articles said that Elise had been suspended for... Uh, five days at some point because of her underage drinking and drug use. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a bummer. It, I mean, it's also like the area that they were in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, and it's being in high school. Yeah, it's true. I mean, everyone's going to, not everyone. Experiment. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's uh, going right. to everyone's everyone's experiment. Not everyone's going to drink and do that. Yes. yes. But also the drugs were like weed. So I was going to say, I think we I can mean, all chill. It's, yeah. It's, I don't think it, it's, it's fucking, it's weed. I do believe, like, you shouldn't be drinking or smoking at a certain age because your brain's not done developing. Right. Like, you can get right. all fucked up, but, like, chill. But it's not going to kill you. No. For the most part, probably. For the most part. Don't, don't come for us. Don't now drink and drive. Sued. Now we're going to um, get sued. <laughs> anyway, moving away from that. In an interview from jail, Delashment said that their lives were dominated by a steady diet of drugs, including marijuana, methamphetamines, and LSD. Ooh. And Yikes. death metal music, which will be Hell a big part yeah. of this case. Yeah. Oh, is this? Oh, 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 oh. Don't oh, don't oh, spoil oh. it. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm hoping I'm not going to spoil it. Is this the insane clown posse thing? No. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, we're, okay. we're good. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Lashman said, "Quote: It was harmless at first. We used to smoke weed, play guitar, kick it. I was just into heavy metal music." End quote. More than his buddies, Fiorella had studied the lyrics of the band Slayer. Uh, and tried to find some deeper meaning within it. Oh, in a report filed with the court, he told the police counselor a year after the murder, quote, it gets inside your head. It's almost embarrassing that I was so influenced by the music. The music started to influence the way I looked at things, end quote. Gradually, he turned from daydreaming into acting on some of these lyrics of the music that he was listening to. Oh, Delashman said that one day Fiorella asked, quote, if I'd be down for sacrificing a whatever, a virgin, I didn't take it seriously. I said, whatever, end quote. Oh, I think I know it. Okay. I think I know it. Was that a hint? It's kind of a hint of what happened. Was yeah. that a hint? Uh, was that, does, does, does Elise not kill people? She kills boys? We'll get into it. Oh, I think I'm right. Oh, hell uh, yeah. The three boys had formed their own metal band that they called Hatred. And this was modeled oh, after Slayer. That's lovely. They that's, planned, that's, yeah, that's great. That's a name. That's a, that's a creative name, right? Of course. Uh, they planned to murder a virgin to consecrate their belief in Satan. They had been planning oh, the murder is. for two months, and Elise was chosen basically because she was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, what they believed to be a virgin. Um, she was considered, uh, quote, the ultimate sit against God, end quote, ensuring that they had their ticket to hell by killing her. What the fuck is wrong with teenage boys? I know. If um, you're a boy, whether you're teenaged or not, what the fuck? Yeah. Help us uh, here. 
So, I mean, some of the, the music they were listening to, obviously Slayer, there's a song called Altar of Sacrifice. Uh, I don't know it personally, if you could tell. Oh, really? Uh, it's, on my, based, it's on my morning playlist to based get on an episode. <laughs> based on an episode that I'm working on, it's, I'm much more musical theater based. No. But <laughs> this uh, song, some of the lyrics in it go, quote, high priest awaiting dagger in hand, spilling the pure virgin blood, end quote. Oh, that's wholesome. I'm sure it's not said as. I'm sure it's not meant. Uh, it, it, it's said as what? Wait, one more time. I'm no. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's I'm not. Try it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not uh, articulated. Uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah. I'm anyway. gonna get slapped. Okay. Uh, Casey later told investigator Doug Odom that the boys thought that the killing would give them the craziness to quote play harder, play faster, end quote. Odom's court papers said, um, quote, it was to receive power from the devil to help them play guitar better, but making this perfect sacrifice to the devil, it might help them go professional, end quote. Little did they know the crazy was inside them all along. All right. <laughs> but Delashment said it wasn't as clear cut as all that. He said, quote, the music is destructive, but that's not why Elise was murdered. She was murdered because Joe, Joe Fiorella, was obsessed with her and obsessed with killing her, end quote. Ew. Yeah. Isn't it always the way? Uh, I know. Um, unfortunately, her death was uh, not swift or painless. Court papers <sighs> describe how after smoking for a little while, Delashment walked behind Elise, removed his belt, and slipped it over her neck in a chokehold. As she struggled, Fiorella pulled out an antler-handled hunting knife and plunged it into her neck and then passed the weapon to his friends, who all took turns stabbing her in the neck and back with the six-inch blade. What the fuck? Yeah. As Elise lay moaning on the ground, bleeding, she cried for her mother and cried out to God, and then they stomped on her neck and dragged her into the middle of the eucalyptus grove where she bled to death. What the fuck? Yeah, it doesn't get better from here. It's a lot oh, worse. Great. Um... Her pants had been removed, and the boys gave conflicting accounts of whether they had sex with her corpse. Police and prosecutors believe that they did. Uh, the boys had allegedly bragged to friends uh, not only how they had killed her, but how they continued to go back pretty much weekly to perform necrophilia on her body. Oh, you're going to get that, that disease. Yeah. That's so gross. Yeah. And you know they're teenage boys. They're not washing their dicks. No. And oh. later, friends would come forward and testify against them, but they all claimed that they never took them seriously uh, until after, <laughs> obviously. Jesus Christ. Uh, apparently, Fiorella had even told his mother what he and his friends had done. Wait, and she did nothing? She did. Apparently not. What the fuck? This isn't some boys will be boys shit. No. What never. the f Oh, I'm so mad. So this was in... 1995, July of 1995. It wasn't until March of 1996 that Elisa's body was found, and it was pretty much only because Royce Casey came forward. He had recently converted to Christianity, and oh, you're uh, kidding! And yeah, and he brought it up during oh confession, God. and the priest was like, "You should go to the police with this." Uh, so he did. Yeah, because fun fact: if you're going to confession you could literally be like i murdered a girl in a eucalyptus grove and the priest will not tell i thought no no if if something has happened previously they're not allowed to tell but if something is premeditated like they're saying i'm going to kill somebody then they're allowed to 
that I don't remember, but I know I that they that was basically, what it was. because when we were learning about when we were, or was it, or, um, is it, or is that with the uh, psychiatrists? I think it's psychiatrists that that might be that might be the case. I know that like yeah. when I saw a therapist, she explained to me that she was like a mandated reporter, like my first time that I went to her. So she was like, so please don't traumatize me with this shit. And I was like, oh, don't worry. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna traumatize you with other shit. Um, but no, I believe that that's the case because like it it. It was like the big question that, you know, when you're in second grade and you're getting the sacrament of reconciliation, of course, that's the question that the children are going to ask is, what if I, um, 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 what, 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 what if I commit a murder? (laughs) Also, I don't think second graders are really worried about that. And if they are, then they should be checked out. They needed to be checked out because you know what happens? You end up with a girl who runs a true crime podcast as therapy. Hell yeah. Anyway, hell yeah. <laughs> so he did come to the police um, partly because he was looking for forgiveness kind of with his new religion, but also yeah, because he believed that Delashment and Fiorella planned to kill again. Oh. Yeah. They had told him, quote, she wouldn't be the only one. There would be others, end quote. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Casey feared that he might be the next victim because he had a falling out with the two boys and um, was distancing himself from them. Was he blonde? There was a lyric from Slayer, obviously, again, quote, if you're not with us, you may as well know, you may no longer exist, end quote. Oh, that's that's something that, uh, that's not good. Yeah, so obviously, if these boys are taking these lyrics that seriously, then yeah, you need to look into it like that and be like, okay, I could be next. Um, when police found Elisa's body it was too far decomposed to conduct tests for rape it had been almost a year Um, her parents had to identify her from dental records and a red plastic bracelet made of hearts Um, Fiorella admitted that he was the one who first hinted at uh, his occult leanings with his friends to see if they were interested and when he realized that they were he started to share his thoughts he researched everything about the occult, Satanism, and other Satanists, such as Aleister Crowley. And the boys allegedly started communicating online with other Satanists. They started breaking into graveyards and scoping out graves that they wanted to rob. So it's one of those Ugh. things that it's like, it's one of those shared kind of delusion things yeah. that like you're kind of just yes anding each other. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I believe that. Okay, I believe that. And then you're feeding into each other's delusions and just going deeper and deeper and deeper and they were already on the fringes of um of the people in their world like they weren't right in like big friend groups at school they were kind of like just swirling around each other and like that is the recipe for disaster as Mm -hmm. we've talked about before um after casey's confession the other boys were brought in and they all pleaded no contest to the murder of Elise Paler and were sentenced to serve 25 years to life. Good. Um, but what's even crazier, uh, Casey told investigators that Delashment, Fiorella, and another teenager had plotted to attempt to kill Elise before this. Yeah. The uh, boys had asked Elise to go for a walk with them and they led her to a steep ravine on the mesa. One of the boys, uh, the other one that was not involved in the actual murder, but was involved in this first plot, he pretended to slip down the ravine and tried to get Elise to come down to him. 
Fiorella then pulled out a knife and threw it to the other boy while he and Delashment kept saying, do it, do it. But the other boy who was holding the knife froze and didn't attack her. And what's crazy is Elise must have just thought the boys were joking around because she never oh reported this God. incident. Yeah. And she trusted them enough to go out that night. Again, The night that yeah. she died. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. Well, also, like, when you're 15, somebody tells you they love you and you're going to believe them. No. um, Like, when you're 15, you also just, like, I mean. No one expects this you, to happen. To yeah. Them. You don't think that, like, your classmate is going to or your former classmate is going to murder you in cold blood. You just think, oh, like, maybe this boy likes me. Yeah. And also, it, it goes hand in hand with being conditioned, like, uh, uh, like you're in kindergarten and some little boy in your class pushes you down and the teacher just goes, oh, that just means he likes you. So, like, of course, she's not going to think that they mean something that there that there's something nefarious going on, that they're being malicious because our entire lives were raised to think, oh, like if a boy is overly aggressive, it just means he likes you. I mean, it could be something like that, but it could also be, like, the place and time thing. Like, if you think you're going to be murdered, it's going to be at the end of, like, a dark alley with, like, a masked man, like, carrying a knife. It's not a classmate in the middle of the day, like, when you're going for a walk with your, you think you're friends. Yeah. Like. She trusted these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why some articles said that she was fatally naive. And that's why men ain't shit. No, I'm kidding. Um, But that's just, that is so, that's just tragic. But but, I mean, that's also why I said, like, if it hadn't been that night, it would have been another time. Because they'd already tried to do this once before. So they would have done it. Yeah, her father, like, kind of beating himself up about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Unless well, they unless they lost interest and they went for somebody else or I don't know. That's what I was going to say. Like if it wasn't her, they probably would have gone for somebody else. And I'm not saying that as in like, oh, it's good that it happened to her, but just in the sense of like these guys just wanted to kill They were going to do it. They were yeah. going to do it. Which yeah. is why you need to like get your kids help. It's why you need to like listen when your kids say, "Oh, I killed the person." Um, yeah yeah. like if they're four yeah sure they're probably like talking about their past life or they have an overactive imagination but if you're if your child he's i mean they're not children they're teenagers yeah it's it's entirely possible like we talk about it every week i know like it's just i mean if any parent should feel responsible it's the parents of these boys not elisa's forefather yeah forefather not forefather um yeah i mean i feel so bad for their family um in the years after elisa's murder the palers struggled to go on with their lives obviously Mm, yeah they um because the crime happened like a a quarter of a mile from their house they they immediately moved 20 minutes away they're like we can't be in this house anymore yeah Yeah. Uh, well that's like what's her name too yeah the the one the hollywood ripper yep yeah whose name Uh, escapes me now and that's (laughs) terrible and i'm a terrible person and i'm sorry i brought it up David, who had been um, a builder at the time, he lost interest in his contracting company and took a less demanding job as an inspector for Pacific Gas and Electric. Mm-hmm. Lizanne, Paler's uh, uh, mother, um, moved in and out of different jobs at schools. They sought counseling. They started a nonprofit organization to help locate missing children. 
um, heavily leaned on their church community, and they also became fiercely protective of their three other children, Jenna Lee, yeah. who was 19, Ryan, 17, and Christina, 12. Lizanne said, quote, my children don't have any real privacy anymore. The letters in their room, I read them. I check out their music, end quote. I mean, that's also Can't a thing that them. I think, yeah, 100%, but it's also a thing that you should probably, like, do anyway, not, like, invade your kids' privacy, but, like, if they're sitting there with headphones on and be like, hey, what are you listening to? Like, let me listen show to that. Show an interest. Yes, yeah, show yeah. an interest. Well, yeah, and, show think- and make, make them feel safe coming to you feel comfortable feel like for example like when a parent goes you can tell me anything i won't be mad and then you say something like oh i am thinking about trying sex or something like that and they blow the fuck up at you all right all right (laughs) clearly clearly i'm a virgin who can't drive but no but you know what i mean like then the parent blows up at you and it ruins it ruins that chance of trust yeah i mean show an interest all of that but also i mean i can understand even with elisa's dad beating himself up just being like well i was trying to give her space like they say give your teenager space if they want to come to you they will come to you and like that makes that makes so much sense that he wouldn't have gone after her but it also makes so much sense to show an interest to be like hey is everything cool Hey, like, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's such a slippery slope being a parent, I say, as a non-parent. Um, as a parent to two cats, it's a very slippery fucking slope, yeah. let me tell you. Next thing you know, they've got the dizzies and they're racking up a vet bill that's like, whoo boy. Um, but, it, you know, like, it's, it's just, I don't blame them one bit. I really no. don't. And parents should care about, like, just because they're a teenager and they're their own person does not mean that, like, you shouldn't care about who that person is and their well-being and what they're interested in. Yeah, and especially because, like, Elise had a history of, like, she needed to go to a rehab center. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's how bad, like, her drug and alcohol um, experimentation had gotten. Yeah, and that's not the parents' fault either. That's nobody's fault. It's not Elise's fault. No, it's kind of just society. It's kind of just that age, too. It's that age. And also, like, you can't predict whether or not you're going to become dependent on something. Yeah, exactly. You can't foretell that. You can't tell if your kid is going to do that. And you can't tell if your kid is going to try to experiment. You can't be with them 24-7 every day. And if you are trying to do that, then you don't trust it. And we go right back to the beginning of, well, if your kid knows you don't trust them, then they don't trust you and they're not going to tell you shit. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into how music, obviously we've, the whole murder is because of music yes. because they wanted to make their band better. Yes. Uh, but, by, but this sounds so much like something that I think I know what it is. We'll get to it. Oh, I'm so ready. Cause um, but there's anyway, something devilish about it. And another word for oh, devil yeah. is Diablo. Yeah. And maybe we'll see. Perhaps. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> A few years after the murder, Fiorella and Delashmit told Entertainment Weekly that Slayer's music had nothing to do with the murder at all, and that the murder was not intended to be a satanic sacrifice, which completely contradicts what they had said originally. So when did Slayer's people call their people? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. So court records show that before the sentencing, Fiorella told a probation officer that he had been influenced by Slayer's music, and in confession... To investigators, Casey said that the teens referred to themselves as Satan's children and discussed killing Paler in a devil worship ceremony. So it was said by multiple different people that that's what right. the uh, that's what they were planning on doing. To quote so, Oprah, what is the truth? Yeah. So 
The Palers filed a lawsuit in 1996 against the band Slayer and about half a dozen companies that distributed the band's music. They claimed specifically that the songs Postmortem and Dead Skin Mask gave the three killers detailed instructions to, quote, stalk, rape, torture, murder, and commit acts of necrophilia, end quote, on their daughter. Oh. David Paler strongly stands by the lawsuit, saying, quote, there's a whole generation of children out there being fed this music. It's like being fed, it's like feeding a child a little poison every day. We're saying enough is enough, end quote. That lawsuit, unfortunately, was delayed until t- the year 2000 when the killer's trial was concluded, but the initial case was originally thrown out with the judge stating, quote, there's not a legal position that could be taken that would make Slayer responsible for the girl's death. Where do you draw the line? You might as well start looking through the library at every book on the shelf. End quote. Uh, I guess. But I like, mean, it, it, that's the whole, like, First Amendment. It's like freedom yeah. of speech. They're allowed to put out this music. They're allowed to write yeah. these lyrics. So, like, it is kind of, like, where do you draw the line? Because we've talked you- about, and we'll talk about again, how, like, Catcher in the Rye Uh, like influence people and uh we'll definitely talk about rage um (laughs) one of steve uh stephen king's books books, yeah yeah like these things happen you don't know how or why somebody is going to just latch on to something like this Mm -hmm. and how many thousands of copies of slayer's um music has been sold and you don't hear every single one of them like committing a terrible act. It's right, kind of I, like luck of the draw with this. Like I and but I do I will say I don't think it's Slayer's fault. I don't think it's like th- the record label's fault. I don't think it's any of the producers' fault, any of that. I will say it's like parents like pay attention to what your kids are doing. Because if they are into Slayer, great, fine, perfect. Like it could be worse. Like, they could really love the Wiggles. It could be so much worse. But, like, pay attention. Because if your kid seems to be getting a little too into this and talk to them about these lyrics, like, yeah, it, it's it's not, it may be forever. It may not be forever. But show an interest in what your kids are doing because that's when it's like, oh, this could be bad. And it's not Slayer's fault. Yeah. I it's, mean, Elliot was, like, was and still does really like Slipknot. Yep. And... Like he was a li- like not a little kid, but he was a child mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. to that music. I would love to so, see Elliot's parents being like, "So what you got there, bud?" Well, they wouldn't let him have the t-shirts. I knew that. That's nice. When he was younger. That's good. Um, yeah. Michael Michael's first concert was Dream Theater. He's gonna kill me. Um, his first concert was Dream Theater, and he does have a shirt from when Amazing. he was a child that he that he had a Dream Theater shirt. And Perfect. like, what was your first concert? Oh, mine was the Jonas Brothers Dream Theater. <laughs> Fucking nerd. I was like, a, he's, I think he was 11. I think he was like 11 and he saw Perfect. his parents are so like, yeah, you can listen to whatever music you want. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I had to start I mean, a petition to go see the Jonas Brothers and you got the shirt from Dream Theater. <laughs> it's, it's also a thing of like, yeah, like you're, you're. You're interested in that music, but yeah. also you're not um, letting that music or it, whatever it is, book, movie, TV show, you're mm-hmm. not letting it consume your entire goddamn life. Mm-hmm. And like when it starts to 
get like that, then you're like, okay, well, this is this could be a little problematic, maybe. Yeah, that's right. To all the Gen Zers listening, when we say we're still waiting for our Hogwarts letter, we're saying it ironically. We know it's not real. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm just still waiting. I'm such a Hufflepuff. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. Anyway, the Palers then launched a second lawsuit after the first one got thrown out. And this time it was financed by a powerful national law firm, Milberg, Weiss, Burchad, Haynes, and Lurch, I think it is. I um, loved him in the Adams family. <laughs> this is the same law firm that successfully sued R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company for marketing Joe Camel. Oh! Yeah. Joe Camel, da- oh, who was a cartoon damn. character yes. that smoked that face. He was so funny. His face was clearly a penis. A camel. Oh. What? Go look at a picture of Joe Camel. His face is balls wait, and shaft. Wait, you are fucking lying to me because that was like, not. that was a childhood thing right there. Oh my God. Oh. I mean, if anyone doesn't know Joe Camel, oh it was like God. a spokes character for a tobacco company. And yeah, basically, he like, was like I remember it was a cartoon. Him from the 90s. So, yeah, so oh, kids no. would watch onto it. Oh, not only that, but his dick nose is coming out of a vag. I'm telling you, man. Oh, my God. It's like something once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yep. What is that? Why did you do this His to me? His face is dick. Why did you do this? Everyone go look up a picture of Joe Camel. Anyway, um, so it's that law firm that made it like, hey, let's not have this cartoon character selling tobacco to children. Yeah. Um, so Fair. they hope to sidestep the First Amendment obstacles that doomed the previous lawsuit by coming at it from more of a marketing angle, saying, quote, the distribution and marketing of this obscene and harmful material to adolescent males constituted aiding and abetting of the criminal acts described in this complaint. None of the vicious crimes committed against Elise Marie Paler would have been would have occurred without the intentional marketing strategy of the death metal band Slayer, end quote. Okay. Unfortunately, this case was also dismissed. Well, I don't know if it's unfortunately or or whatever, but this case was also dismissed with Judge E. uh, E. Jeffrey Burke stating, quote, I do not consider Slayer's music obscene, indecent, or harmful to minors, end quote. Burke continued in his 14-page decision, quote, Slayer lyrics are repulsive and profane, but they do not direct or instruct (laughs) listeners to commit acts that that resulted in the vicious torture murder of Elise Paler, end quote. True. True, true, true. And I think that's that's specifically what the lawsuit was saying, that the lyrics were instructions and uh, they found that they are descriptions of terrible acts, but right. they're not instructions to go and be like, go do this, now do this, then do this. Like, yeah, it, it's it's semantics. You, you kind of have to like, especially with a lawsuit, you have to figure out exactly what the wording is to be like, mm-hmm. did they instruct? No, they described. Yeah. And um, Slayer's also not sitting there being like, yeah, we did that. No, well, in 1998, uh, there was an interview with Guitar World. Tom Aria, I think is how you say his last name. He's the lead singer of Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, he denounced the murderers saying, quote, they're trying to blame this whole thing on us. That's such expletive. If you're going yeah. to do something stupid like that, you should get in trouble for it, end quote. Yeah, I'm with the- him. Yeah, it, it's not his fault. Um, a longtime publicist for the group says Slayer's public image is all pose. Chris Ferrero, a spokeswoman for Columbia, who was the band's distributor, said, quote, 
They're the nicest people. It's a matter of opinion how you take in the music. I think it's fiction, period. They're nice, conservative people, believe it or not. End quote. Arya huh. also told the Chicago Sun-Times in 1998, quote, we're part-time evil. If we're really evil, we'd be doing the things we're writing about. End quote. Mm-hmm. And while researching like these lawsuits and everything, it kept coming up that there were lawsuits against Ozzy Osbourne back in the day because people thought his music was too much and it inspired XYZ yep. crimes or whatever. And it's just like, you have to be, that's such a tightrope walk with, with these lawsuits. It's, it's the equivalent of when you're in school and your English teacher is like, all right, let's interpret what this writer meant when they used the color blue. Yeah. The writer just meant fucking blue. Yeah. Like the blue rhymed with shoe and therefore they threw it in there. And yeah. that's what this is like, except it's a legal system doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading this directly from a Newshawk article um, because I didn't have the time to reword it. So this is from an article that I will link on our website. Um, so apparently the family was supposed to get restitution for the crime. Who? Which family? Um, the Palers. The Palers? Okay. Yeah. So the article says, on March 21st, 2017, the district attorney's office filed a motion to reimburse the state victims' compensation board, which paid $34,871 to the Paler family for funeral costs and counseling. The office also seeks to determine additional restitution based on loss of wages to the Paler's father, David Paler. Assistant District Attorney Lee Cunningham on uh, Tuesday that the article came out. Um, in the late 1990s, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation was not collecting restitution in life sentence cases. Though restitution was included in the sentence of Casey and Delashment, it was not included for Fiorella, who was the youngest of the three. Restitution has not been collected by any of them. So, Damn. so far, all three guys, no restitution has been paid to the family. Wow, and that's been like 20 years or so now. Well, over that, but... Did Elliot yell? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's fine. I'm sorry. Anyway, what a rude boy. So, uh, what I found interesting as researching this, there are new developments happening. Oh. This is a case from 1995, but yeah. in June 2001, articles circulated online that Casey was possibly going to be granted parole. Some of the members of the Paler family didn't oppose the decision either. David Paler told the Tribune that Casey is suitable for parole and he does not believe he is a risk to public safety. He said that he and his son placed their faith in the parole, the parole board's two commissioners. Casey, oh who's now 43, has a nearly 20-year model record in prison and has participated in a series of rehabilitative programs, such as a mentor, he earned his GED, and is working on a specialized bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology, and even said that he plans to become a substance abuse counselor in Los Angeles if he's released. Despite mm -hmm. those accomplishments, the district attorney's office is opposed to the panel's ruling, saying that the commissioners did not give proper weight to the horror of the crime. Uh, this is from another Newshawk article. At his parole hearing, Casey told the commissioners that uh, in his past, he, quote, tried to please people to protect himself, uh, end quote. But through various programs during the past two decades, he learned self-acceptance, according to the transcript. Quote, 
When I came in here, that pattern continued because I learned like right away if people knew why I was here, I would be hurt. So I made the decision early on that they couldn't know why I was here, end quote. Right. So basically he said that he needed to portray this image that he was like a big tough guy because he was he was young. He was like 20 years old when yeah. he went into prison. Um, yeah. And he knew that if people found out what he did... Um, because it did happen eventually when he was 22 years old um, and at this high security level prison, mm-hmm. there was um, an episode of Nightline that featured the Paler case and there was a bunch of skidheads in the yard that wanted to stab him. Oh, and, shit. Yeah. And he had to stage a fight with two other inmates. He said, quote, I wanted them to think I had a heart and I wasn't a coward. He said, um, end quote. Um, yeah. yeah. So he... He had this like little scuffle when he was like 22 years old, but after that, he had like 20 years of being a really model prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when he was asked his understanding of the impact of the crime, Casey said the first thing that comes to mind is, quote, how immersive the suffering is that I caused that Elise doesn't have a life anymore because of me. She had to feel so much pain and terror while I was murdering her, end quote. Um, he also said, quote, nothing I can ever say or nothing that I can ever do will ever bring back the life she could have had, the life she had uh, for her, for her parents. I'm ashamed by the person that I was then, and I'm disgusted by the person that I was then. I'm ashamed that I took her entire future away, end quote. On July 12th of this year, Governor Gavin Newsom reversed the decision to grant Casey parole. District Attorney Dan Dow was happy with this this decision. He said, quote, I'm grateful for and want to thank Governor Newsom for carefully evaluating the facts and circumstances of Elise M. Paler's horrific murder committed by Royce Casey and his three accomplices. I think it was only two accomplices. And reviewing Royce's present day mental state. I am pleased at the governor's conclusion that that agreed with my office's evaluation that Casey continues to pose an unreasonable danger to society if he were to be released from prison at this time, end quote. I don't know about that because he, like, the whole point of going to prison is rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing? Mm -hmm. And he was in prison for over 20 years and got his GED um, he didn't touch drugs or alcohol. He said, um, since, he bettered like, himself. Yeah. Since like before he was even arrested, uh, he, he was the one that came forward and, uh, confessed to the crime. Mm-hmm. He didn't try to hide anything. He laid it all out there. And I don't know if he, if let out, if he would do something like this again, I don't know. I don't, I I don't think so, based on the information that I found. Obviously, like, I'm not one of the um, the lawyers or anybody involved in the case, but the Paler family said that they didn't think that he posed a threat. And shouldn't yeah. that hold a lot of weight? The family of the person that the crime happened to saying, like, okay, I support this. Like, I think, I think it's okay if he's let out. I don't like, know. I see. I don't know either. It's tough, and especially because on one hand, yeah, he did all of those great things, like to better himself, like like we said, like in prison, like like mm-hmm. like like like. Um, but he also spent over twenty years in prison. Is he even going to know 
how to like we've heard so many times of people who go back because not because they haven't changed not because they're not rehabilitated but just because because prison you don't know how to them for the world yeah you don't know how to act now that you're not in prison but should so that i can be, understand should that be a reason to not let somebody out see that i he don't wasn't know being, he, he wasn't was so being young. complete yeah but he wasn't being completely released and absolved of everything he was going to be out on parole which as i right. understand it if you're on parole you do have like somebody you need to check in with like like x you need to do x y and z to be able to be out on parole yes I, I mean, and that's that's how it is sometimes. Sometimes it's just it's they come by unannounced and you're expected to just be ready for them. Sometimes it's you meet with them every week or every month or what have you. Yeah, um, it really it depends. But yeah, I don't I don't know. That's a tough one. Personally. To yeah. try to make sense of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, on June 1st. Uh, Dow had written a letter to Governor Newsom urging him to use his authority to reverse the board of parole hearings decision to allow Casey to be released on parole. In Dow's letter, he argued that Casey remains a threat to public safety as he, quote, has never adequately explained why he participated in such a sadistic and heinous crime. In prior hearings, he did admit that while young Elise was on the ground after being strangled and stabbed, she cried out for her mother and for Jesus. When Royce Casey heard that, he stomped on her neck and head. We maintain yeah. that Casey still has not developed insight into the character defects that allowed him to participate in such a hideous crime. End quote. So I fair. think like that that was their reasoning is like That's fair. He hasn't given us a reason of why he did it in the first place and why he thinks he is better now. I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. If you can't yeah. give a reason as to why you should be seen as rehabilitated you you can say oh i did this i did this i did this i did this but do you understand what you did do you understand why you yeah, did it yeah, do you yeah, understand yeah. that it was wrong but i think this is the same thing we've talked about uh way back when we talked about the slender man case it came up relatively recently and mm -hmm. i posted on our our facebook even right, yep. of that she was um one of those girls was looking to I think I think it was go out on parole or yes. or something. Yes, I believe and so. And we we had a couple of people comment saying if she's rehabilitated, she should be let out. And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you're there's a different circumstance when it is a child who has committed this crime, and he was 17 years old. Yeah, that yeah. is like you can. There's a lot of adulting happening at 17 yeah. years old, but you are still a child. So yes, developmentally. Yeah, think of all the dumb shit you did when you were 17. And if you were held to those standards forever, then how are you ever supposed to change? How are you ever supposed to try to better yourself? I do think he needs, like, I don't know. I think he does need to maybe try to do a little bit more inner work to yeah. figure out what happened. And that's kind of um, what, in Governor Newsom's letter... Um, uh, talking about this case of why he uh, he didn't support the decision, he said, quote, I've determined that Mr. Casey must do additional work to deepen his insight into the causation factors of his crime and coping skills before he can be safely released on parole, end quote. And I, I mean, I guess that's it. And I read a couple of other articles that were like, well, he's never been in an adult relationship. He doesn't 
like one of the things could be he doesn't know how to handle rejection. What if right. he tells a future partner uh, what he did and they reject him? How is he going to take that rejection? Yeah. Is like is he going to fly, fly into a blind rage? Like I don't know. It's uh, fair. It's a fair question. Yeah, it, it's rough. Right. Uh, but now into the pop culture of it. I think you already know. I'm ready. I'm ready to be told I'm right. Uh, this case uh, was loosely the inspiration for the movie Jennifer's Body. Hell yeah. Which told if you, you haven't you know seen, it. you should see it. It's so good. Yeah. It, it came was out in so 2009. before its time. Yeah. Nobody liked it in 2009, but it was a great fucking movie. It no. was so well done. It, it had a Rotten Tomato score of 45%, audience score of 35%. Wait, now? Uh, I mean, this is currently, but I don't know. What? That's if, so. That's so. I don't know stupid. if critics have re-looked at it. That's true, but I mean the audience score more than anything. But the Google score is eighty-six percent. For once, I I'd have to agree. I'd have the to Google agree score is always usually high. Yeah, and, but normally it's too high. I think this is fair. Yeah, and it has a five point three out of ten on IMDb. Mm-hmm. The critics' consensus is, quote, Jennifer's body features occasionally clever dialogue, but its horror-slash-comedy premise ultimately fails to be consistently funny or scary enough to satisfy, end quote. I beg to differ. I think the lines are great. I think that the acting is great. I think that it's just, it's a great... I think it- everyone is going to be quite surprised that you've seen this movie. This was one of this was in my phase where it scared the shit out of me. Make no mistake. But we had just gotten HBO. It was on HBO and I wasn't allowed to watch MTV VH1 or anything like that. My parents didn't quite understand that the home box office movie was not always the most G rated playground for a child. And so I would run with that. And it was soon after I was allowed to watch PG-13 movies. So I was just like, it's PG-13. Great. Yeah, it was. Uh, If you haven't seen it, it stars Megan Fox, who was in Transformers, along with a million other things. Mm -hmm. Amanda Seyfried, who was in Mean Girls and Mama. Seyfried? Sorry, I love you. Seyfried. Okay. Because I was obsessed with her from Mean Girls. Vandersloot. Vandersloot. She was in Mean Girls and Mama Mia. Uh, Johnny Simmons, who was in Perks of Being a Wallflower, Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim, and The Stanford Prison Experiment, which we have an yes. episode on. Yes. Yes. Um, Adam Brody, who's uh, recently in Promising Young Woman. Uh, J.K. Simmons, who's in everything and is a delight. He's in Juno, Whiplash, yes. Spider-Man, a million things. And uh, Amy Sedaris was also in this. Uh, she was from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Elf, and At Home with Amy Sedaris, amongst other mm-hmm. things. Um, again, I like looking at the IMDb trivia. So, it's so did good. you know that I'm this ready. the title of this movie was taken from a um, the song Jennifer's Body by Courtney Love's band Hole? That I did know. You did? All right. That I did know because I, too, am a lover of IMDb. Good. And well, I... Oof. This was so it's it's a good fucking movie, okay? Okay. I'm going to eat your soul and shit it out, Lesnicky. Well, the screenplay for this film was featured on the 2007 Blacklist, which is a list of the most like the most liked unmade scripts of the year. Yes, yes. Uh, Diablo Cody does it again. Yes, yes, exactly. Despite mixed critical reception, the film has gained a strong cult following over the years and garnered an unofficial musical in 2018. Oh, 
I didn't know that. Well, that's fun. That is fun. Uh, a Megan Fox who played Jennifer and Amanda Seyfried. 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 She played Seyfried. Needy. Uh, they both said in different interviews that this is their favorite movie in their filmographies. Uh, but did you know that Emma Stone was considered for the role of Needy and Brie Ooh. Larson also auditioned for the role? Um, Ooh. Blake Lively turned down the role of Jennifer due to scheduling conflicts with Gossip Girl. Good, because honestly, I can't see anybody but Megan Fox in this role. Yeah. Megan Fox fucking killed it, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Uh, the filmmakers considered actual rock stars like Pete Wentz and Joel Madden for the role of musician Nikolai, uh, but the role eventually went to Adam Brody. Mm-hmm. And he but, did re- a very short-lived part, but he did great too. Yeah. I just oh, But basically, like, the inspiration from this case to this movie was that um, she was sacrificed in, like, a devil worshipy ceremony. Yeah, no, That's it makes sense. It. Yeah. I mean, what, like, once you started describing it, it made total sense because it was a very similar thing. Like, the boys were a rock band and they felt yep. that the only way that they could, they worship Satan, the only way that they would achieve success, which they did, is if they murdered a virgin. However, Jennifer was a virgin, not even a backdoor virgin anymore, thanks to Roman. So, it's a great fucking movie, Haley. All right. Well, it's a great movie. I think it's on Prime. It's either on Prime or Hulu. It's something like, like that. Re- like I've relatively recently. Because I was just telling Michael's parents that they should watch it. Good. It's it's great. It's great. PMS isn't real. It was invented by the boy run media to make us think that we're crazy. Sure. It's a great movie. Okay, I good. stand by it. Diablo right. Cody. Anyway. That's that. That is the case. That is the pop culture associated with it. Um, we're at crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. We we're are. on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Patreon. You should join the Patreon and watch Caitlin watch a jump scare from a classic horror movie. Dear God, um, it was awful. I, I don't want to ever do that again, but I noticed great. that you put part one on there, so oh, I guess I oh, am. I put part one, so we're going to do a bunch. <sighs> Um, join our Secret Satan gift exchange if you're interested. Yeah, you can find it in our link tree. You can find it in our link tree. I think I pinned the um the form that you have to fill out to the top of our Facebook page. Um, mm-hmm. the link tree is linked on like all of our bios. So if you go to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. whatever, not LinkedIn though, not LinkedIn. It'll be not there. LinkedIn though, yeah. And um, we're also on Patreon. And that's that what is, I said. That is, I know, I know it's what you said, but I double checked and it's patreon.com slash crime culture. Okay, good. Yes, that's all. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, fine. She said that already. <laughs> anyway, that's that. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.